Good evening, or good morning, or good afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this. It's Monday Morning Boilers. Another uh, exciting week of Purdue basketball to talk about, as always, Chris. Joining me, I'm Connor. And uh, Chris, we got a lot to talk about. We had two blowouts. I think one that was expected, and then one that shocked everyone in the state, uh, in, including Purdue fans. Yeah, we we talked last show. We kind of ran down what we thought would happen, and and I told you I hoped that I was wrong, and it turns out I was wrong about this IU game. Although I I I, I kind of classified it as a fifty fifty thing. It was not quite fifty fifty. Um, I'm more than happy to be wrong, and I hope that you were right about the month of January. Well, I think that um, I think that I felt like Purdue would have a chance to win the game. I would not have thought that they would have dominated in, in the fashion that they did, and that's really where we got to start. Was you know it it really does feel like that that Wisconsin win on the road on a Friday night had has at least put a lot of confidence into Purdue because they're playing really, really well right now. Yeah, they're playing exceptionally well. I think there's a, a couple different reasons for that. You know, I don't – in my mind, it's like a lot of things in life. It's not all because of one thing or not, right? It's a combination of things. Um, right. The defense, particularly against Indiana, um, was – outstanding the intensity the aggression the physicality and i, I will talk more about that you game specifically and the number that no gel did on romeo langford <laughs> um which takes me back to chris kramer uh kurt and drew neitzel about 10 years ago i think drew neitzel's still in therapy over that experience <laughs> probably but, <clears throat> i mean the defense has really come along i think the trivion williams um being inserted into the into the rotation bigger minutes has been a huge boom for this team. It's changed the way that they play, both offensively and defensively. Um, and then I just – I think there's guys that are – it's clicking, like they're getting with Coach Painter's program. I mean, Eric Hunter Jr. is acting like he wants to guard somebody. Yeah. You know, and that's not been a focus for him certainly early in the year uh this three-game stretch it ha- absolutely has been he's learning he's he's not bad actually at it he's he's on the ball he's actually getting pretty good so, so i think there's a couple of things i think it really comes down to defense though bud uh you know and then offensively williams low post game changes things a little bit for shooters it gives them cleaner looks well so i i mean you look at Let's just let's go back to we'll, we'll go back to bef- after the Notre Dame game, right? So they've given up they gave up eighty eight points, yeah. And they're and, and it feels like the, the the ship is starting to sink. I think at that point we talked about that, even though maybe the band on the Titanic wasn't playing, they had the violins out and they were getting in tune. Well, yeah, they were tuning up. Right. And, and They're so looking at the sheet music. And so from that point, right, um, Ohio scores 67. Belmont, which came in averaging 90 points a game, scores 62. Iowa, which arguably the best offense in the conference, has 70. Michigan State has 77. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin scores 80 in overtime. Rutgers right. has 54. Indiana has 55. Yeah, so Purdue – Purdue has has lost one time in that stretch. They lost they lost 
to Michigan State in a game that was ugly, but they have only given up 80 points twice, and it took overtime for Wisconsin to get there. Yeah, they're they're garden people. They're, and, and they're, this, they're garden people. And you and I had talked about that. We felt like defensively the potential of this team – was so much higher than teams before just because of the accurate athleticism. You just, you add Aaron Wheeler, you add Eric Hunter, you know, like Sasha Stefanovic is a guy who plays really hard and has some, some size to him at the guard position. You know, I think that we both felt like the, the potential was there for Purdue to be a pretty stout defensive team. And I don't think anybody knew what kind of presence, um, that Travion was going to have. But I think that the thing that's been really interesting has been, I was, it was funny enough. I was getting ready for us to record the podcast and I was on the ESPN app looking at scores from some of the games tonight. And I was looking in the big 10, looking at the Nebraska Rutgers score. And on my, my iPad, there's like this little ticker that, um, that kind of shows like these little blurbs from writers. And one of them was from like a year ago talking about, Rutgers playing Purdue and how Rutgers was having success getting Isaac Haas in the pick and roll. Right. And I just kind of chuckled and I thought to myself, well, you know, that's kind of fitting as we get ready to, to podcast because the one thing that teams have not had success in this stretch that they had a lot of success with last year is putting Purdue's bigs in the pick and roll. And so much of that has to do with the effort level of Travion Williams and Matt Harms. Yeah, they're both comfortable out on the floor garden. Um, mm-hmm. But I tell you the other thing that, you know, related to that, that Purdue has done well is their help side rotation has been really good in, on, in those situations, right? Right. In, in a, in a, in a, what, what it does is it allows a Harms or a Williams to recover back onto their man. Mm-hmm. Um, IU did an exceptionally poor job of that. Um <laughs> You know, they and I can understand why you would run two people at Carson Edwards in a screen and roll situation. What I don't understand is your help side being completely oblivious to what's going on, yeah, and and not helping them. You know, and so you saw Harms, uh, you know, he faked the handoff on one, took it, dunked it. You know, he slipped the the ball screen a couple times because they're running two guys at the ball handler, and that that back line help isn't there. And it honestly, number three is that Smith. Yes. Yeah. Um, oftentimes it was him, and he just yeah. he had he had no idea what he was supposed to be doing offensively or defensively on the help. Yes. Uh, our guys are really good in that same situation defensively, so we got big guys that can get out and help, and you know kind of bounce that ball handler out. Mm-hmm. But our help side guys are really good at at covering up until they can recover back. So it's. I mean, we handle that really well for a couple of reasons. Some of it's physical ability. I'm going to tell you, IU has every bit of physical ability that we do, and maybe more. Uh, but they don't don't play the same way. I understand um, why IU wanted to, to throw two at Carson, right? What I didn't yeah. understand was IU trying to throw two at Ryan Klein or trying to throw two at Eric Hunter and, and Nojel. Like, they were throwing two, hedging every screen. And at no point did they make an adjustment. You know, Jawan Morgan, who is 
through a large sample size, known as a good player in this league. I'd take Juwan Morgan on our team. He had no interest in defending uh, on that on on those rolls and those slips. Not not very well, no. <laughs> really, the only thing that IU did well was get off the bus in matching uniforms. I mean, um, honestly, yeah, <laughs> that, that that was about right. it. The the physicality of the game and the energy in the in the arena clearly bothered them. Yes, and and clearly bothered like the Langford kid. He he was really out of sorts from the go um, because of the way he was being guarded physically by Nogel. Mm-hmm. And and I think the environment got to him, man. Really, yeah, did. yeah. I I mean I agree. I you 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 we've seen Nogel guard at a, at a high level a lot of premier ball handlers over the last now eh, let's say year right because it really wasn't until about midway through last year that he really started to pick it up defensively and we're about the halfway point this year so we'll say over the last year i have maybe only once or twice in my life watching basketball seen a player take another player's will and he took romeo langford's will like uh, Romeo, he, yeah, he, Romeo he, Langford, he did this game, yeah. It, Romeo Langford had had no desire to be on the floor. Like he looked like he just wanted to just get on the bus and and go back to Bloomington. Well, he sat for a good portion of the first half because he picked up two fouls, right? Right. But he sat for chunks of the second half, and it wasn't because he had foul trouble because he didn't. He, he ended up with two fouls. He sat because they, he was Coach helping. Miller. Coach Miller took him out because he wasn't being effective. Yeah, he wasn't doing I, anything. I mean, he was really, really out of sorts. No jail did a fantastic job of taking him out of his game. And, and, it, and wasn't, it wasn't all on the ball either because, you know, they moved him away from the ball trying to do some stuff. And no jail, you know, then isn't necessarily guarding the ball, you know. Yeah. And, and man, he did a nice job just covering him up and making him work. And, well, and, and it, when it wasn't no gel, um, you know, Wheeler makes an incredible block <laughs> at the rim. Yeah. Like, it, honestly, the thought that I had after that was, man, Coach Shondell's got to see what Aaron's doing in the fall. He blocked it with two hands. <laughs> that yeah, was, I he mean, was, he was right at the net blocking yeah. a, a, a spike. And and then I, a couple possessions later, Harms pins into the backboard. Yeah. And that was when you talked about Purdue really just communicating so much better than they were to begin the year. When guys are getting beat off the dribble or, or somebody's turning the corner, it's not just a free run to the hoop. And we know how good of a shot blocker off the ball Matt Harms is. Like, you know, we've, we've seen that. He he's did a nice job of protecting the rim. Wheeler's where, he, at where, the, he, where he gets in trouble is when he forgets the rule of shot blocking. That is, when you're on the ball, you change yeah. the shot. Mm-hmm. When you're rotating from the help side, you block the shot. Matt gets in trouble when he tries to block the shot when he's guarding the ball, right? Yes. Yeah, that's when he comes down and fouls the guy. The pin on the glass, he rotated from the help side. I yeah, I mean, it's just it all goes back to that they are communicating and moving so much better right now than it was impressive, man. Than they were the level yeah. of energy, the level of aggression, the teamwork. Mm-hmm. It was impressive. It was a thorough manhandling. I know it ended up being whatever fifteen or whatever. Yeah, it wasn't that close. No. And, and it wasn't that close. And the only re- honestly, the only reason that it was was not because of Purdue's defense. It was because Purdue did not statistically didn't have a great offensive game. 
No, not really. They had 11 turnovers. They only hit seven threes. I mean, they, they were one of nine from three in the first half. You know, Carson had a really inefficient 20 points on 18 shots. Right. But he had, but, and we can go ahead and shift to, to Carson. He had seven assists. And, and yeah, that's, so that's have, two, that's two games in a row that he's, he's well, had, had, he's done a nice job of moving the ball and sharing the ball. And if he's going to move the ball and share the ball, this offense is going to unlock another level of potential. Because I think that where Purdue gets bogged down is is in two things. When they get jump shot happy and when Carson dribbles into the middle of the lane with no intention to find an open guy. So do you think that uh, the Williams kids' offensive game in the low post has a little bit to do with that? Because he changes the way that people are guarding us. He does, yeah. So Carson can share the ball a little bit because he doesn't have to do everything. Well, in the, and I think the thing that, that Travion does outside of just being a force on the block, I, and I think this is what truly makes him special is Travion is the best passer on the team. Yeah, he very well may be, man. He sees the uh, floor and, really well. And, and when he catches the ball at 15 feet or even on the block, he'll find a guy cutting. And that has, that has really changed the complexion of Purdue's scoring and I think that that's a reason why a guy like Nogel Eastern has really found kind of his sense of self on offense because Nogel's a six six tight end coming baseline. And, yeah, so it changes the way the ball moves, right? The ball's mm-hmm. not moving east to west. You know, if you think about the court as a compass, right? Not get overly technical. You want the ball moving north and south, mm-hmm. right? T- towards the rim. Not east and west, sideline to sideline. And so when Matt's in there, because Matt doesn't like the post a lot. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of east-west action, the dribble handoffs, the ball screens. You know, it's a lot of lateral movement, sideline to sideline rotations by the defense. And it pulls all the defense up onto the arc. Yeah. When Williams is in there, he's posting low. And so now the Mm -hmm. ball goes inside out. Yeah, you know, and so they're having to collapse down and then recover back out on a closeout, and so the ball's moving north and south now a little bit more. But the tough thing with Williams for defenses is when he, and this is totally different than it has been the last six years, going all the way back to AJ Hammonds. When when Williams catches the ball, whether it be in the high post or on the perimeter, if the if the guy on the weak side back doors, he's going to put it on the money if he's open. Yeah, he sees it really well. Although Matt, because, had, a, Matt had a nice little assist uh, against IU. Yeah, thing. and like, I think – But that, that's not his strength, and it's not something no, he does he, consistently. He's not a natural passer. Travion is a natural patch, passer. Travion has a special ability to see the floor. Yeah, he does. He, yeah, he, it's yeah, it's certainly a, a nice advantage. And so it, it, was on full, it was on full display. I mean, he got in foul yeah. trouble and stuff because he had trouble with Joan Morgan. And right. you know, there's a great article that was in the um, in the Athletic uh, about him, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it makes you understand a little bit maybe why the minutes thing here at the beginning of the season and stuff, right? Yeah, uh, I, I didn't realize this until I read it, and and he he couldn't even run baseline to baseline without getting winded until like December, right? You, you know, he he's lost so much weight. 
and his conditioning truly wasn't there. And so he didn't play early a lot, I'm sure, for a number of reasons. But part of it truly is he wasn't physically able. Um, so And he's physically able now. And so you're yes. starting, you know, and that coincides with the injury to Evan and getting an opportunity. Obviously, he's made the most of it. But There's still so some I, things he's got to improve on physically. His lateral movement's not great, and that's why he got in mm-hmm. foul trouble because Jawan Morgan's a good player out on the perimeter. Yes, yeah. Well, and the thing is, is even though he's lost 50 pounds, he's still 270. Yeah, so what do they want him to go at, like 235, 240? What's his, what's the ideal fighting weight for him? I've heard 250. That's what I've heard. They want to get him to about 250, so about another so got 20 pounds. got to drop another 20. Man, oh my. Okay, yeah, well, he's going to have to do that over the summer training. But right I think there. the thing that has been really interesting, and I believe it was Nathan Baird in the Journal and Courier, interviewed Travion and and Travion talked about that he really struggled to grasp the offense because and he admitted like when he gets tired he he's like everybody else it's hard to concentrate when you're tired yeah he just it's hard to focus he just stands and so he was he was losing he wasn't fully grasping the offense and so that kind of coincides with like you were talking about you know he's finally able to run baseline to baseline you know, he's in a better shape, and, and you're seeing he feels a little bit more comfortable on the floor knowing the offense. Yeah. He still gets lost offensively, man. If you watch, like, he, he doesn't know where where he's supposed to be, whether he's supposed to screen, post up, step in, shape up, and get a post up or what. And, and when he does get tired, he stands. He does. Yeah, but that's, he, that's he's learning be part of it. He's learning. And that's he still why doesn't, he, he doesn't set great screens. He really yeah, doesn't. But, not yet. I mean, he will. He will, but not right now. He doesn't. There, there's, yeah, that's a learned skill anymore. Uh, the screen setting, but what he's able to do offensively, whether it be scoring on the block or just with his passing, is and his timing. It's his timing, really, because you can go back to the Wisconsin game. The couple blocks that he made on Ethan Happ are just. Mm-hmm. That's just he has this innate ability to sense. Like okay, he's going. He's going right now. Like yeah. he's going to this, that jump hook right now, and I'm just going to go get it from him. Well, if you haven't read it, you or anyone of the you know three people listening, I think the guy's <laughs> name is Do- Doprick, Dustin Doprick. Yeah, yeah. He he's an excellent writer. He really is. He writes for the Athletic. Uh, this article talks about Williams' journey. You know, and I mean, he in here he talks about the fact that he weighed 320 when he got to campus. He he couldn't mm-hmm. even dunk. Yeah. He couldn't dunk, you know, and he, he lost some pounds, and, you know, now he can windmill, and he can do some stuff. I mean, he's his physical transformation has been startling, and he explains a little bit of why maybe the minutes were the minutes, and, you know, I don't think they knew. Honestly, as a coaching staff, what do we have here? Right. You know, what's he going to be? We don't know. Well, Which is fascinating. Turns out he's pretty good. Because <laughs> that's back-to-back years, right? Like, so, you know, I can kind of, you know, I don't – want to talk too much about what you know my time with the working in what capacity I did with the program but I can tell you that when Matt Harms came off the bench to start the season and started blocking shots it shocked literally everybody in the program yeah nobody knew he could do you're talking about last year right yeah yeah nobody knew he could do it because they didn't know that he could do it in a game because they'd never seen him do it in practice right he was not blocking a lot of shots in practice, right? And he just all of a sudden shows up and, and is is you know making 
making plays at the rim defensively, and so it surprised everybody. But the thing that you're seeing as Harms continues to to incrementally get better defensively, you know, Williams is much better defensively in the pick and roll because the story the the story has always been drag produce bigs into the pick and roll. They're going to drop. You're going to have opportunities to get them in a scramble situation and, and score. Yes. Well, that's not the case anymore no. because of the changes in personnel. You've got two bigs who feel comfortable enough in guarding perimeter players, and then you've got a point guard who's six six two twenty, and is pretty comfortable guarding the four as much as he is guarding the point. So while we're talking about six six two twenty and can bench press almost three hundred pounds because he's a big mm-hmm. strong man. Yes. Uh, kudos and props. To Nogel Eastern, who has clearly been working on his free throws. Yes. Because he's hitting them now. And I believe he has more confidence in his ability to attack the rim as a result. Which you have said, I believe, on this cast. Yeah, I thought that you know, I thought he, that it was he's more aggressive to the rack because yeah, he, he's, he's not pretty, afraid to shoot free throws. He's not afraid to get fouled. Right. And I think he was, especially last year. And, and I'm not and gonna some... I'm not gonna tell you it's anything that's like, you know poetry in motion ballet style okay uh-huh. his stroke but it's a lot smoother and it's a lot better and it's repeatable mm-hmm. and he's hitting them he's knocking them down and, and the other thing you talked about this this the confidence i think it's the combination of that and it's the combination of the ball movement is a little more fluid than it has been all season and yeah, he he feels like he like i think especially early if he attacked baseline he knew he wasn't going to get rewarded they weren't going to find him and that's not the case anymore. If he attacks, no. if he gets to the rim, they're going to get the ball to him. And he's athletic enough and he's strong enough that he's just going to make plays. Well, he had his first career double-double. He had 10 points, 10 boards. Yeah. And he and he towered above Lankford. He, yeah. I, mean, I, know they, I know they say Lankford's 6'5 or whatever. I don't know. I thought Nigel looked huge compared to him. I think that – and this isn't shocking to Purdue fans. It, Nogel is a true freshman, just absolutely discombobulated Tony Carr twice last year. Yeah, he sure did. To the point where I think Tony Carr was going to fight him. Uh, Tony Carr was very frustrated, I remember. Because the thing that Nogel does, aside from being very athletic and being big, is he is physical, but he is physical from the moment you cross the timeline. Like, yeah, you so come, if you pick that up in the between the Rutgers game and this game, we 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 pick up up the floor a little bit more than we have historically. Well, I think that and I mean, I our think, guards we're getting up into people three quarter court. So I think that that is a trust in the defense. I think that at the beginning of the year, coach did not trust that the guys on the back end could communicate effectively enough that they could get out to and pick up that way because they were just going to get shredded. And I think that he feels like the communication and, and the basic principles of his defense are being executed at a strong enough level that they can pick up a little bit more. I mean, the beauty yeah. of that is it, it takes eight seconds, ten seconds off the shot clock where they get into anything. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of – McCaffrey does that at Iowa. He does it with the zone thing. Yeah. You know, and it's not to get turnovers or anything. It's to dictate tempo a little bit. But more than anything, it's to get you out of your stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and you only have 20 seconds to run something then. Yeah. 
I, I thought we were say, very effective at that. The last two games specifically, it just seemed like we were making it more of a focus to pick up higher on the floor. I, I agree with you. I think that that's a schematic change. And I think I noticed this. I didn't notice this as much against Rutgers and maybe you did, but I really noticed it against IU. Carson Edwards, it felt like for the first time this year, played defense. Uh, in spots, yeah. He still got caught napping and not paying attention on the help side a couple times. But it's better. But I felt like his intensity defensively was at its best and most consistent that it has been all year against IU. I, I, I will give you that, yes. And, and yes. if he's going to bring that level – you know, he he's never going to be a lockdown defender. He's just not. That's not what he's on the floor to do for Purdue. He, he doesn't want to be. He could. And he doesn't want to be. But but he also needs to conserve some energy for offense, and I understand that. But he needs to at least try a little bit. He is. You know, from a coaching standpoint, it's really hard when the one thing that you pride yourself on as a program and you emphasize as a coach your best player doesn't fully commit to and demonstrate day in and day out. That's a tough situation. Right. And that's what you're talking about. Um, Carson's good enough at defense. It's clearly not his calling and it's not his focus. But it doesn't Frankly, I don't know that we need it to be. No, I think I think that it's far more important that he has seven assists and only two turnovers and, and does a good job of distributing the ball on offense than that he yeah. locks up his guy. Yeah, agreed. So some great some thing you know Matt played well, Nojel played well, mm-hmm. Carson played well, Klein was good in spots. I mean he was two or four from the arc, hit couple you know in the second half early, big ones, bang bang. Grady gave good minutes again. Hey man, Grady was solid, dude. Yeah, he was solid. He really was. I, I, and I've been critical of the Grady, the Grady train, but. Uh, he he uh he he was solid man. He did some good stuff. He had six boards, seven points, not bad. Aaron Wheeler, confounding because you know he's just not consistent, and so he can't play more minutes because he's not consistent. Yeah. Well, let me let me let me read you Aaron Wheeler's stat line. So thirteen minutes of game action, two of four from the field, one of three from three, three fouls, two turnovers, two blocks, three steals, five points. Yep. <laughs> and that that kind of sums him up. We we know really, that he can shoot the ball. Yeah, and he's athletic as can be. And he's yeah. just, I think he's a year away. He's a season away. Yeah, I think that I think that he he's doing exactly what they need him to do right now. Which is just be decent in spots. You know, his his defensive intensity wanes a little bit. Yep. Um He loses focus. He does. Well, I, I think I think that I think some of it is you got to – he played at Brewster Prep, which is, uh, right. for those of you who don't know, is a prep school in out east in Massachusetts that is kind of like an Oak Hill or a La Lumiere. Uh, you know, uh, basically it's, it's the college basketball powerhouses of the country. And so Brewster Prep's one of these schools that will send six or seven of the guys on the roster to big-time D1 schools just about every year and i don't know how much that he had to defend was really asked to play defense yeah probably not a lot and and so it kind of goes back to the the eric hunter thing eric hunter was six all-time there is six all-time currently in scoring in indiana high school history 
You think Eric was spending a lot of time trying to lock up his opposing man for 10 no. last no. year? No, no. And so there's some learning curve. The, right. These guys have to learn how to defend. And Well, you got to learn how to, and then you also have to accept to want to, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because we talked about our guy, Chris Kramer, right? Right. And, uh, I just this week saw an interview that he did with uh, – with I, I think it's with the media guy with uh, you know the team over there in Lithuania, but he was talking about. Well, they basically asked him like, "When did you become this defensive guy at Purdue?" You know, right? And he and he, and he he's very eloquent about it, and he says, "You know, basically, I realized that if I was going to get on the floor as a freshman, that's what I had to do to get on the floor." Because mm-hmm. they didn't need somebody to try to score the ball and do this stuff. They need somebody could guard, you know. And so he committed to being a defensive guy and uh, credited David T. was really showing him how to prepare and coach Martin. You know, Conzo Martin was an assistant there at that time. and Yeah. You know, and he kind of like said, okay, I want to play. And so to play, I got guard, right? Because Chris was a big-time scorer. High school, yeah. just like, a you know. We're talking about like the Hunter kid. Okay, so the same thing applies to Eric Hunter. Look, man, you want to get on the floor? You got to score. It's not all about scoring. You got guard. Right. Well, even go back to last year. That's how Nojel Eastern got minutes on the floor. Right. Guard somebody. They, they, had, they had what? Was it three or four thousand points? There was what? Three thousand point scorers, three. right? On the team three. last year? Three. They don't, Nojel, you don't need to score. We need right. you to play defense. And right. So I think Eric's figuring that out, right? That, mm-hmm. Right now, the key, the ticket for him to see some PT is to go guard somebody, and he and he, so he's he's accepted that, and, and now he's learned how. And you see that each game, he gets a little better at it. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, where do I need to be on the help side? What is the rotation out? You know, when do we switch? When do we not? And, and I and I have maintained this since the start of the year. Coach Painter is one of the best in the country at teaching defense. Yeah, come on, man. There's no doubt. I mean, people, I mean, whatever. And so they're critical of him and all this stuff. But, I mean, the body of work speaks for itself. His teams know how to guard people. And and I have have said this on the podcast, and I've said this to you in private, because you and I have had our battle about our stance on Eric Hunter, what we were more worried about. Because early, you were really freaking out about his defense. Yeah. and I told you that I wasn't worried. I was more worried about the offense, and still am a little bit, because I believe in Coach Painter. And, and I've seen Coach Painter turn some guys who had no interest in playing defense into terrific defenders. Only I mean, because they wanted to, sure. eventually, right? And, I mean, there's a couple guys that left the program that didn't want to do that either, you know. Yeah. They left after a year or two, and so – Eric's not leaving. He wants to play. Yeah. He's doing the things he needs to. And they know how to teach defense down there, man. They do. They really do. <laughs> so yeah. jumps, jumps, you know, shooting and defense when you lot ball games. And that's really kind of what you saw there against IU. Well, if Purdue's going to be blowing teams out, only shooting 31% from three, it's going to be a really, really tough stretch of the season for teams that are going to see the Boilermakers. Well, re- I mean, I, really I wouldn't. Is. I wouldn't hold that up as the standard. But well, no. I, I mean, I. I I you didn't do anything to help themselves, man. No, but if Purdue can find ways to score the ball without having to make threes, yeah, 
that's going to allow them to stay competitive, especially on the road. Agreed. And, and I think and we have not talked about this at all. This is you and I broaching this subject for the very first time and admittedly oh. super, super early Uh-oh. in the process. But I think that Purdue this year has a team that has more mismatches for the NCAA tournament than teams previous. Yeah, I'd agree. And, and so, because I think they have, def- I off the top of my head, they have three right now. Because they have Carson, who you're going to be hard-pressed to find anybody in the country that can check him for 40 minutes. Uh, well, Matt McQuaid did a pretty good job, but yeah, okay. Did? Okay, yeah. One guy, right, out, out of, in what, how many games have they played? Uh, well, they played 18 in conference. So, you know, they've had, they've played seven conference games so far. Right, so, so they've played 18 overall, right? Yeah. Aren't they 12 and 6 now? Yes. So in, yeah. so in 18 games, one guy has done a pretty good job checking Carson. Um, I think that Carson's a really tough guard. I think that Ryan Klein is a guy outside of the conference that is a really tough guard because Ryan Klein is like 35 seconds away from busting a game wide open, kind of like he did to start the second half against IU. Yeah, he hit two big threes. Right, where he comes out and he just he opens the floodgates, and that's what he can do. And, and then I think the other mismatch is, is Nogel because Nogel – at six six, they're just you don't have the size and the physicality in most places to to guard Nogel when he decides he's gonna attack the basket. And then also he can take away your best score, or at least make it really, really difficult for your best score to get into a rhythm. Yeah, I won't disagree with that. Now I think some of that it might be expectations. Because they're not going to be a 30-win team or, you know, Big Ten champions headed into the tournament. No. But I think that they're a team that could be dangerous. Well, we saw what, – what did we just talk about? They're forecasted as a sixth seed right now, basically based off strength of schedule. Yes. Um, just getting in the tournament is going to be a – it's going to be a huge, a yeah, huge success. I, the Williams kid changed everything. His insertion mm-hmm. into the rotation in the last three games and how he's played. I mean, last four, going back to Michigan State, that was really kind of his coming out. Yeah. Um, he changes this team, man. This, everything's got to get reevaluated a little bit about what their upside is because the nature of their game changes. Well, he just is able to bang with guys. He gives them some inside scoring. Because that's the thing that you and I have talked about is this is a great shooting team, but they have to be able to score at the rim. And whether that was going to be off the dribble drive or however, they had to find a way to do it. And with, with Travion, they can score in some post-ups. Yeah, and, 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 uh, and, yeah, yeah. and, and now Nogel's attacking the rim a little bit, so it's all good. Nogel's attacking the rim. Carson's getting to the rim. Yeah. Uh, Matt Harms is doing an okay job of slipping to the rim or scoring in those isolated in those few post ups that he gets. Yeah, coach figured out the deal with Harms. I mean, he's better off the bench. He's better in certain types of matchups. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the IU game set up real nicely for what he's like. Uh, Michigan State's not a good matchup for him. No. Um, Ohio State, ah, we'll see. I think it might be. We'll see, you know, because they – I don't know. I mean, they got a big banger, right? Yeah, the Wesson kid is a good yeah. player. And he, he likes is. to root down there in the paint and but do his with, thing. I think he could be a tougher matchup for for Travion. Well, he's going to have to be physical with him. He is. You know, Penn State, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Mike Watkins is there, right? Yeah. But, I mean, he's not played great. Great. No. Yeah. He really hasn't. He's averaging like eight, nine points a game, and uh, he kind of gets in his own way, you know, so – and after what? After Penn State, Minnesota, Nebraska, and then we're back to Maryland, and Maryland's playing pretty well. Yes. Yeah, they are. Although they yeah. lost tonight. They got they got beat by Michigan State. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Michigan State's – come on, man. They're, I mean, they're, the two Michigan schools pretty are, the, good. are the – Yeah, well, they're the, they're the top of the conference, the two Michigan schools. So, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, Matt, Matt's better off the bench, and Matt's got certain matchups that are more favorable than others. I use a good matchup for him. Agreed. And it's nice to have the two-headed monster. Anyways, yeah, things things to be positive about, and it's looking good. Things are looking up. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, that um, Purdue basketball is in a much, much more positive space of mind, presence of mind, you know, than they were a month ago. So let me ask you this question. Uh, you know, Boudreaux gets the the stuff, the you know the issue cleared up, and he's good to go. And he played just a few minutes when the foul trouble happened there. Uh, mm-hmm. There's really not room at the five for him. Yeah, you play him at the four. I think it depends on the matchup. Yeah, yeah, I think that maybe against like Wisconsin, he can he can do that. Okay. Uh, I think that he has some real limitations laterally. Just being able to move to guard and, and especially, yeah, and especially when he's hurt, you know, yeah. he's not a hundred percent. Yeah. Now, maybe in a year, give him another year of off-season workouts and really getting his body fine-tuned. You could play him at the four a little, but I don't know. I I think that the emergence of Travion Williams just makes makes it a really difficult numbers game for for Boudreaux. Yeah. See, I'm, that's where I'm at too, man. Is I. I'm not sure how well he fits in at this point. Time well, and I minute, think, minutes played wise, he fits in great as a teammate. I'm talking about time. Yeah, just PT. purely on the floor. Yeah, PT. I, there's not. Uh, I mean, there's not really a role for him right now. Right, and well, and I think it's difficult for him um, scoring wise. I think he hasn't quite figured out how to attack fives in the Big Ten. Right, because he's not shooting the ball great, and, and he's not been able to score inside he's not physically and, big enough to score inside right and so i think that he, another year in the offseason program helps him and maybe lets him move to the four yeah because he could be an eifert type he's bigger guy. than grady right but it's just as far as if he can physically you know if he can get to it where like he can move enough laterally and defend yeah he could be a bigger Grady and give you some more rebounding and just a little more versatility. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Cool. I think it, it's, yeah. All right. All right. Let's look at the schedule coming up. 
Let's, yeah, re- so, let's reassess January. Sure. So you talked about the Ohio State game. They're on the road on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And they're back home Sunday against Michigan State. Then they finish out at the end of the month on the road against Penn State. So we're sitting at 12 and 6 with three games to play in this month. Yeah. Where do you see what do you see Ohio State? I think they can beat Ohio State. Okay. I really do. Michigan State. I think this is Sunday, right? It's at home. Toss up. I'm going toss up. Mm, Really? Okay. All right. What about Penn State? I think Penn State's the one that they drop. I just think that Penn State every year gets somebody at the top of the Big Ten at home. Yeah. And I think that a a pretty young Purdue team, especially if they – go on the road, beat Ohio State, and then come home and, and avenge their loss in East Lansing. Riding a little too high, and, and Pat Chambers' boys come out, get real physical with them, and, and win like a, an ugly type of basketball game. So who guards Lamar Stevens? No Joe? Yeah, probably. Probably. Or, or Grady. Grady did a nice job on him last year. Yeah. He did. Yeah. You can't, you, yeah. You, I mean. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I think that, I mean, you think about, what was it? It was two or three years ago that they went to Penn State. That was the year they won the Big Ten, and they needed, or, or maybe it was the year after. But they needed Kendall Stevens to hit the three in the corner. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. To keep, two like, years ago. The Bryce Jordan Center is a weird Weird arena. Weird things happen there. So you see them either going two and one or one and two to finish out January. I think that they go two and one. So and I think it's just four, a, you see them at fourteen and seven at the end of this month. Yeah. Okay. Where do you see them? Uh. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm going. I'm going to read. I'm going to back up what I said last week a little bit here. I'm going to backtrack on it a little bit. Yeah. Um, only because Williams changes some things. I think they beat Penn State and Ohio State both. I think they lose Michigan State. Uh, so they end up 14 and 7, and then we get, get into a stretch in February where there's some winnable games. I mean, Minnesota winnable, Nebraska winnable, Maryland, and yeah, we'll see. Penn State winnable. IU at IU? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Romeo Langford's not going to be MIA again like he was. Yeah. I, who knows with. Illinois, yeah, we can beat Illinois at home. Yeah. All right, Nebraska, I think, is a tough one. Mm, depends on what James Palmer does. Yeah. And well, it'll be the second time that Purdue's getting a crack at him. Yeah. So, on the road. On the road, that's, I mean, it's just tough to beat experienced teams on the road. Yes. And then what? The three games in March at home against Ohio State should be able to win that one. Mm hmm. Um, at Minnesota probably should win that and then finish up on the road and at Northwestern. So we're gonna eight, we're looking at anywhere 18 to 20 wins and with the strength of schedule they have. 18's enough. 18's enough. They're in. If they end up with yeah. 20 wins and that strength of schedule and all that, they're, they probably are a six seed. Yeah. I mean, they probably are. Otherwise, it's a six plays 11, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, 5-12 yeah. is the big upset game all the time. 
So I know that I looked today at um, Lenardi's bracket that he does for ESPN, and he had them in Jacksonville playing the winner of Temple Butler. No, it's so early. Who knows? Right, right. Yeah, sure. I mean, but that's just – that would give you an idea, you know. Yeah. Right, so you're looking at that sixth seed, possibly playing one of those those play-in teams. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that without a That's a dangerous place to be. Yes, because you're playing a mid-major conference champ who's playing really well at that time. Yep, those are the yeah. you know those five, twelve, six, eleven games are the ones that get upset. Yeah, because it's typically a power five team that probably finished a little worse than they would have liked to, and like you said, playing a, a mid-major who's got a lot of confidence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Lots got to get yeah. done between then and now. Yeah, first things first. You got to beat Ohio State on Wednesday. Right, right. All right. Uh-huh. Well, another good episode. Plenty to talk about. A lot of excitement. And when we reconvene next week, there'll be another two games to talk about. Let's hope we got two W's to talk about, man. That'd that would great, be great. Huh? That would be great. Yeah. Be awesome. All right. Well, hey, boiler up and hammer down.